0: Welcome to You Made Me Watch That, where two film studies professors aim to expand each other's cinematic knowledge, one recommendation at a time. I am your co-host, Colleen kennedy Carpot.
1: And I am your co-host, Wickham Planigan.
0: This episode, we are discussing the work of one relatively unknown director by the name of Steven Spielberg.
1: fresh out of obscurity.
0: Right, yeah. He's going places. Uh, We're focusing on my recommendation of The Fablemans.
1: Did you say his name?
0: Steven Spielberg.
1: Steven Spielberg. Focusing on my recommendation... Of all of the Indiana Jones films, <laughs> no qualifications necessary. Well, uh,
0: there is one brief qualification. I had seen Crystal Skull when it came out in on the big screen.
1: And you're like, who is this Indiana no, Jones No, and that was figure? the only one
0: that I'd ever seen <laughs> until you made me watch the rest of them.
1: Okay, and now you're a better person.
0: And now I'm caught up with yes. the zeitgeist from my childhood.
1: What would you say? So I had not seen The Fablemans, so that was an easy recommendation.
0: And and it's a recent film. The Fablemans is just from last year. And it was nominated for a slew of Oscars because, again, Spielberg, you know, joking aside, is one of the pillars of Hollywood and has been for, what, four decades now. Yeah, he's good. He's a good director.
1: I don't know if that's a hot take or not. Um, um he's made a few quality films he had that few just a few he had that period I was just thinking back on his filmography it's like man yeah. Jurassic Park's really good um <laughs> it just kind of just kind of going through them and you know you take for granted the, all of the sort of IPs and and uh the, the the film history that he brings you know something like Jaws my god yeah you know, it's yeah. like
0: like literally um, made Hollywood what it is today. Yeah. Jaws, yeah, and um, I think I think what ends up getting lost in when, when any artist occupies that space in history, is how groundbreaking it really is, right? We go back to Jaws now with you know almost a almost a half century in between that release and and now and. It 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 seems like a given in a way, which we have to remind ourselves it wasn't when it came out. Right, there was nothing given about any of that. It has only become fairly obvious because it was so influential. And I always get this when I talk about Andy Warhol in classes, and students roll their eyes at me. It's like you're only rolling your eyes because he was right about <laughs> so much. Do you and show really, Empire? I know. I know. We should do that
1: just screen empire Yeah,
0: that would be a great silent movie day screening
1: yeah everyone would lose their minds just no i mean
0: only if you made everybody like actually sit through the whole eight hours but
1: do they roll their eyes at the can of soup
0: just warhol in general Mm -hmm. i think it's they they take it as cliche or you know citizen kane for that matter Yeah, yeah show citizen kane and and without proper context people will just go okay so what what do you mean? So what? It was, you know, it's hard to go back in time and look at groundbreaking stuff. Yeah, that was really influential because you're so steeped in the influences, you don't see what's novel.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, what I think is yeah. cool about Citizen Kane, and I noticed this from my peers, is that if you show it, kind of, it was like a, it was like a film interim class, like it wasn't a full film class, or maybe it was my dad's elective. Now that I say that, um, back in high school. Is it was this notion of like once you study film technique and you watch Citizen Kane, you're like,
0: wow, yeah. like
1: every 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 moment he's doing something interesting with mm-hmm. focus, with the, yeah. the you know the camera movement, whatever it might be, dissolves. Yeah. But like, um, yeah, I think I, I was just looking back at Spielberg's oeuvre. Um, aside from the heavy hitters, I wanted to mention a few more eclectic things. Have you ever seen Duel? His no. first film? No. It's about an evil truck. It's okay. a man running away from an evil truck, and I say evil truck.
0: That sounds like that other horror thing.
1: J- Jeepers Creepers. No. Joyride. Joyride. Yes, I have the, seen Joyride. Jeepers Creepers and <laughs> not seen Duel and Joyride both involve evil truck. I want to be interesting. I want to be clear. Evil truck, not evil trucker. Yes. Um, there is a trucker in the truck, but the way that Spielberg personifies this thing chasing this man, it's more about the truck. It is the object image. itself. Yes. It's very good. It's very kind of low budget. You know, you can see uh, the the early goings for Jaws mm-hmm. in terms of building suspense. Hmm. And I wanted—I would be uh, remiss if I didn't mention probably my favorite Spielberg uh, film, which is AI, which ah. is, I, I understand is a bit of a strange film uh, tonally, all over the place.
0: Well, it's, it's not all Spielberg either. That's a posthumous duet, as it were, with Kubrick.
1: Right. And I think I think it's brilliant because of that. It's also Pinocchio, and you know I've been right. fascinated with Pinocchio yes. lately.
0: You're on a Pinocchio kick.
1: I'm on a Pinocchio kick. But I was on a Pinocchio kick with AI even before. Um, but yeah, I, well, and then Schindler's List, my my wife had me watch that, and I don't usually go for those kinds of movies, but Schindler's List is quite quite mm-hmm. good as well. Ray Fiennes is an oh, yeah. evil Nazi. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it?
0: Uh, parts of it. Okay. But I haven't seen the whole thing. I saw, I saw the famous sequence with the girl in the red coat.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: And yes, I've seen Ray Fines as the evil Nazi.
1: The banality of, of like the casualness of the evil that Ray Fines brings. There's one part where a gun is jammed as he's executing people. And it's one of the most it's so casually horrifying. Um and I think Schindler's list has its very sort of operatic, very dramatic moments, and then it has these more subtly horrifying incidental day to day, you know, um, Things that are a byproduct, and I do think that that uh, that Jewish upbringing and the, um, the 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 things that this sort of very clear uh, response to World War II is present in something as you know, uh, inter- more conventionally entertaining like Indiana Jones.
0: Well, well, yeah, they they keep coming back to the Nazis. They keep
1: coming back to the Nazis, and I yeah. think that you know that is by design. Fableman's directly alludes to you know him being Jewish a mm-hmm. lot, and that yes. is part of his. Yeah. Um, character, um, but what did you want to? What did you want to start with? Because I mean, oh boy. Indiana, <laughs> Indiana Jones is a cultural icon, Colleen.
0: I uh, wouldn't argue with that.
1: Um, it's I had the VHS of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I must have seen it t- tons of times. It it and uh, I think I'm quoting a YouTuber by the name of Chris Stuckman when he said that. Raiders or Indiana Jones films when you're a kid. So this, this is where I'm coming at it. You're coming at it as a, you know, full-grown adult. I, I, I've been teaching
0: film studies for years. 2023. And somehow not lost my job because I'd never seen anything but The Crystal Skull.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you can learn a lot from The Crystal Skull. Um, oh, okay. Bad CGI. What not to do mm. with CGI. Mm. Um, but... It felt like, and to quote this guy, it felt like Indiana Jones as a franchise was a was a series of movies that, as a kid, you were getting away with seeing. And I would mm-hmm. agree with that. They're hyper violent. They're they're um, they're a little more adult, but they have a kind of kid like uh, sense of adventure mm-hmm. and discovery. You know, going into the tombs. You know, playing Tomb Raider when I was young as well influences. So I'm I'm way into its sort of. Adventure Man vibe. I love Bond. You okay, know.
0: so I think it's interesting that you were watching Raiders of the Lost Ark from 1981 at the same time as you were playing Tomb Raider. Yes. Because that's a generational thing. Like I could not have experienced those right. things simultaneously, at least not at the same age. Um, so, yeah, you can sort of see how that archetype has had legs in other ways and sprouted entirely new franchises.
1: Yeah. And I think on a and, a, and I think it was one of the first movies Raiders was one of the first movies where I was sort of analyzing technique of like, my God, that truck chase is cool. Yeah. How, how did they, how did they stage this? It's, yeah. um, the, the back and forth him getting shot and then that being incorporated into the fight There's a grittiness to Raiders. Yes. And there's a crazy supernatural night, you know. Uh, th- uh, the movie I should say also sort of traumatized me as a child well,
0: uh, yeah and I think it's going for this yes I mean I was shocked to find that it has a PG rating yes
1: I know I know it's people an get extremely shot in the face
0: questionable yeah. PG rating <laughs> yes. as is Temple of Doom Temple Doom even PG. more so yes I like what on earth I don't was know. the MPAA doing <laughs> in the 80s Raiders looks like uh,
1: <gasps> a movie about kittens compared to Temple of Doom Temple well, yeah, of Doom Temple was of...
0: really ratchets it all up I, yeah. I
1: had to leave the room with Temple of Doom um even now no 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 I can when you manage were, now when, when I was you a, were a kid, kid. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um but so I'm coming at it with the warm glow of nostalgia, Colleen I know that you have some thoughts oh, I
0: have the cold hard <laughs> 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 Truth. Uh, perspective of experience kind of looking at these I have no idea how I missed these but as with most of the holes in my filmography it's just I mean we didn't I, get, I I don't I wasn't raised in a cinephile family I guess is really my only excuse and what we latched onto are, was just other not, than this
1: But those movies are not traditional cinephile films.
0: I firmly disagree with that. I think Spielberg has Really? Oh yeah, at least in my generation, I mean, these movies plus Star Wars, Maybe like Blade like the, the, Lucas and Spielberg were like the pinnacle of Hollywood filmmaking to anybody who wanted to become a filmmaker who's, you know, like my age or maybe give or take 10 years. Um, it's, th- and I can see why, like looking at, at Raiders and, and this whole series, I can see why. Like this is really movie magic. Yes. I kept, I mean, there was a, a phrase that kept coming back to me as I'm watching, you know, the 80s trilogy. This is movie magic. Yeah. This is what Spielberg is known for doing. This is what he devoted his life to. Do. And you can see this in the Fablemans too. Yes. Like how, yeah, yeah. like yeah, yeah. how he came to experiment with it and sort of develop this perspective on movie magic that has an ideological component. And the fact that he was so clear about this in the Fablemans is a really interesting point that we can come back to. But it's, but I mean, to me, it's, it's how he manages to do this. And Lucas at the time also manages to do this with practical effects. Yeah, They really didn't need the CGI, to achieve what they achieved. And they created whole sort of practical rules around what to do and how to do it with these caveats that we're doing this on camera. Like the melted face yes. in Raiders, which is the really where you're going, this should not be a PG film. No. You know mean? And people my age would cite this as a traumatic movie moment, like when the guy's face melts. And it is just... It doesn't look realistic. Like as soon as you linger on it, if you freeze frame it, yes, if you freeze frame it, it's obvious what. But it doesn't matter ultimately. It just doesn't matter. It gets lodged in your brain just the same, and that's a frame that you will take with you for the rest of your life, probably when you've seen this. And I mean, that's the thing that I think ends up getting lost in the series. Oh, yeah. And I mean, and in blockbuster filmmaking in general, it has come to rely so heavily on CGI, which has a totally different set of production rules. Yes. And it's, you know, I don't know that Spielberg uses it as a crutch. There are filmmakers who do use CGI as a crutch. But I think it certainly
1: feels that way in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull at times.
0: I See, I don't know about that. I think Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which came out, let me it's check my date. It's a wonderful dates, film. 2008. So already there's like 20 years, right. more or less, between Last Crusade and yes. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So there's 20 years between them. There, it, It's sort of just when we're starting to see this sort of revamping of franchises and so on. Um, but I think what's admirable about Spielberg is that where Lucas... At the same time, when you know CGI is coming into its own and really becoming a viable mode of filmmaking, Lucas decides he's going to re-release his Star Wars trilogy with with a, with a bunch of CGI stuff added. I saw those in theaters. I saw the re-releases. Really? I, I, I had, yes. How I was had that seen, experience? Um. I mean, pe- people were interested. I mean that's again like it's a real auteurist bent. Like, well, if Lucas is doing it, it must be interesting, and we're going to get to this with other films as well. But I, I remember I just... the
1: CGI job of the hut and uh, right the, the new one or the new yes, rope, and, and then
0: like, yes, and, and yes, and you're just going, why does this need to be here? <laughs> I mean, it, it ends up it, it doesn't really add anything. I mean, th- this. I think it's interesting that he's thinking about this, but it doesn't need to go in that actual movie. I think if he'd waited another ten years and said, "All right, we're going to do a prequel with you know the CGI Jabba and what like this backstory," probably that would have been more successful than integrating that bit into the movie that was already. Well, released. they had they
1: had that footage with a with a human Jabba or Jabba the Hutt. Um, yeah, so they just replaced him with it's, a CGI Yeah, I mean
0: it's just it, it, the franchise logic had not quite settled in yet. But he, he did this. But really, he
1: did make a prequel. I should mention the prequel trilogy. Well, sure. which, which is also super CGI. It is super reliant, CGI. Yeah, to the extent that the actors feel lost, which in I work. also
0: saw in the theaters. I mean, I I am not anti-blockbuster. I just or apparently Lucas, yeah. no. I mean, apparently I was Team Lucas, kind of yeah. without. But I mean, looking at Spielberg, Spielberg didn't do this. He has not gone back and tinkered with Temple of Doom. No. He has not gone back. <laughs> And tinkered <laughs> with any of these. So what happens Maybe twenty he years should. later? Kingdom of the Crystal Skull comes, and it's like, all right, now we're going to show you what cgi is going to do, and it sort of gives a bit more context to why it's aliens. I think in Kingdom of the Crystal, because I hadn't realized. Like, I, I mean, I remember there was a bit of an outcry at the time in two thousand eight, like aliens, like like somehow that's cheating. Or it's like too otherworldly, supernatural, and looking at these other things, like no, there's no. all kinds of weird no, stuff no, going no, no. on. Like, I had no issue with that. Yeah. No, it's not as far afield of the initial trilogy as I had been led to believe by reading criticism in 2008. So Temple of Doom is
1: insane. There's possession. There's there's people, you know, controlling. Sure, a,
0: a, sure, but it's 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 real. Oof. Man, you want a definition of orientalism? Like even Edward Said so couldn't have... do better than just watching Temple of Doom. <laughs>
1: While we're on the topic of orientalism, can I say wow. something? Can I say something? Okay. And I and I don't and I want to be clear here. I'm not defending this. I'm just saying that I have a perspective on this. Ironic racism.
0: Uh, not a fan.
1: You've mentioned tropic, sure. you've mentioned Tropic Thunder. Oh,
0: but that yeah, but that's for the point of critique. I know. I don't think I Temple don't think, of Doom and is and I critiquing anything I also about, think about these ideologies. Uh,
1: I also and I came up with the idea of ironic racism. Borat also comes to mind, Ooh. where someone could watch that and not get it. And yeah. and I I'll, I agree with you. There is not a critique in Temple right. of Doom, but I do think there is a referential. Like I can't take it seriously. When they bring out, which is one of the best knowingly terrible scenes in movie history, when they bring out the little monkey heads and they talk about chilled monkey brains, there is no part of me that thinks that it is any way representative of any culture whatsoever in a way that is meant to be taken seriously. I don't think for a moment Spielberg intended for me to think, oh, that's how People are on other parts of the world. I think it's uh, commenting on it. I don't think it's critiquing it. I, no. mean, I think that is maybe the issue.
0: Yeah, he's not presenting an alternative. Because, like, the entirety of Tropic Thunder but it's, is just like, why are you doing this?
1: Right, right. That's true. They when keep there's a whole it.
0: other path. Yeah, I mean, it's every single time it comes up, there's a challenge that's to true, it. That's true. That's true. There's no intrinsic challenge in any of this but it's
1: referencing these old serials which were knowingly orientalist and and arguably not not in any way commenting on it or exaggerating it to the point of it being slightly ironic which i think it is sort of done in temple of doom i understand what you're saying yeah someone can watch temple of doom it's not being questioned and they're and they just accept that the the white guy will save the day and it's it's very problematic But I do think that, at least for me, watching Temple of Doom, I am in no way taking it that seriously. I'm not in any way seeing it. I actually think, and Alev, my wife, has an interesting perspective. I think Raiders is actually more problematic.
0: Oh, I think they're all problematic. Probably. In some ways, (laughs) because
1: because the the Orientalism in Raiders is more casual. It's not so in-your-face cartoonish. Whereas Temple of Doom, it is so cartoonish. The elaborate death cult set, which is beautiful, is also straight out of a, you know, like a cartoon. Or like, it, it's so exaggerated. Um, the I forget the name of the head of the Kali death cult, but his yeah. whole get up. Yeah. It's hard for me to see it as anything other than a, a callback to these, these albeit dated, adventure serials in a way that is exaggerating and and sort of taking it to an extreme that is not meant to be taken seriously or meant to be read as offensive in the same way.
0: Uh, well, well, I mean, you can take offense at something that's not meant to be read as offensive. Of course. I mean, I, that's, that's the thing. I don't think exaggeration on its own is sufficient for critique. No. Um,
1: no, I agree. Yeah. But so, I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I take it at, in, to the exaggerated extent that it is Yeah, I mean, this it. is
0: what I think people mean when they say the texts have not aged well. Um, that that at a certain point, maybe the ability to say, well, we can shrug this off, it's not a serious lapse, was at some point perhaps enough to sort of disentangle people from these accusations. But I don't think it's enough anymore. But, I just, and, and I mean, to look back on this and go, eh, I mean is it the only kind of thing? Were you offended while watching it? Yeah, actually,
1: by the the, uh, oh, the orientalism and the, or the, and the uh, sexism. sexism? Okay.
0: I mean, the sexism is even worse.
1: I think that's also <laughs> I mean, because ironic. it's
0: real. Because I, no, I her performance.
1: Um, who is this? Who is this lovely lady? What's her name?
0: Uh, in Temple of Doom? Yes. Kate Capshaw, Kate a.k.a. Kepshaw. Mrs. Steven Spielberg.
1: <laughs> Mrs. Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Her performance is so exaggerated that it's also difficult for me to take. Like, it's yeah, a knowingly... I, tropey character.
0: It is, but I also just look at this and think she's a bad actress.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> but but I, I can't mm. but, but but by virtue of that, it's hard for me to take her seriously in the context of her being this exaggerated sort of oh no bugs sort of character. Like it it's 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 sort of campy. It it, it transcends the what's on the page. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No. No. What
1: like no. I'm I'm not I I'm sensitive to this stuff, Colleen. I really am. Uh-huh. Maybe it's nostalgia glasses. I don't know. But I can watch Temple of Doom. I will defend Temple of Doom because I can watch it and really not fall in line with I can see it. I can understand why someone yeah. could be offended well, by yeah, it.
0: Well, yeah, because you're standing here as an American white man watching this going That's on. True. Well, I'm not going to feel offended by it. Well, of course, none, none of this is targeting you. You're still the hero. But that, I'm not saying- and If we're reflecting this in Who I am is not beholden
1: to what I am offended or not offended by. I'm saying that yeah. the, it's a factor, no. but I can say that the the way it is presented in Temple of Doom into this exaggerated- campy serial extent it's like a cartoon it's very it's like it's like watching aladdin okay. or something
0: well yes we which is a which whole is also thing.
1: offensive yes uh,
0: yes but that's the thing i think we have to be able to say i watch this it is offensive and acknowledge okay exactly what I'm it, not it dis- is offensive. you know I'm, not no, I'm just saying but it is offensive and i'm watching it anyway <laughs> and yeah. just to be able to own this and you know, just critically, you know, walk and chew gum at the same time. Am
1: I owning it right now, or am I? Uh, am I bearing myself? You're trying into not it? to. <laughs>
0: you're really trying not to. I think. Uh, um, but I mean, we watch offensive stuff all the time. We we watch stuff that has offensive moments that we can't defend, and you know what? Like that's like, taboo is the same thing, right? There's a lot of offensive, like
1: hell yeah, you know, Oriental.
0: Yeah, I'm not quite Orientalist, but you know um, stuff. Yes, like the the representation of Native North Americans is,
1: and female characters,
0: and to a lesser extent, I mean. Can't hold a candle to the sexism of the original Indiana Jones trilogy. I, I'm sorry. What we about can get into um, that? But anyway, it's 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 that's there and that's a problem. But you know what? I am going to own that. I liked that show despite its problems. I mean, that's the thing. We have to hold those problems in a, a space of acknowledgement and not try to downplay them. Like, and, and yeah, the, we we also I think, and I think I may be in the minority here. We have to acknowledge the shifting epistemologies. Right. I mean, this for the time, I don't think any of this would have raised eyebrows if we look laterally at what else did. was going. Well, <laughs> Temple I mean, of
1: Doom, I think more so in terms of it being a PG Crazy well, yeah, movie for for kids.
0: Sure. Well, yeah. Mm, for, putting again. short
1: round in there also complicates yes,
0: things. Yes. Yes. Putting actual children in yes. as of the second and, film
1: in slavery.
0: I mean, let's let let's okay. <laughs> we can agree to disagree on this. I want to get into the formula. <laughs> okay. Uh, because it's it's a great reiteration formula. I mean, I did a little bit of you know, googling around for this. Um, for Raiders of the Lost Ark, it was initially pitched by Lucas as kind of an archaeologist knockoff of James Bond. Yes. Which makes perfect sense. Um, that
1: explains why I probably was into it.
0: I mean, too. the womanizing factor was, I guess, dialed down in part because yes. it, the, the context couldn't sell it quite as well. Um, although there are lines and there are ways that he kind of comes on to women throughout the series where it's just like, he's got this streak to him. Even if like the, the girl in his class is like writing stuff on her eyelids and it freaks him out. Well, good on him for getting freaked out by that, <laughs> that, that as, as he should. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, I mean the crew for Raiders of the Lost Ark is a who's who of new Hollywood. Truly. You've got Lucas, yes. like I said, Lawrence Kasdan, yes. who was also big at the time. And of course there's Spielberg, um, yeah, I mean, Alfred Molina shows up and yeah. then bites it in the first ten minutes of the movie. Like, what a waste of Alfred Molina! Well, that's one of his first roles. Uh, it, he was he was great until he right. bit it. You got to um, start somewhere.
1: Might as I well guess. be Raiders yeah. of the Lost yeah, Ark. Yeah, My yeah. God, yeah, he's very um, memorable. Like yeah. as a, as a as a as a way of jumping into your career.
0: Yeah, I mean, so you've got your uh, each of these episodes has a woman, an artifact, and yes. eventually also a kid. Um, and then eventually we get. Well, actually, we always have like the creepy villain as well, and the villain usually tends a Nazi. To, usually a Nazi until we get to <laughs> Kate Blanchett's danger lesbian, um, in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. What? Um, She's um, she's what was she a Russian? Yes. Yeah, the Russians come in for the Crystal Skull. Like they were trying to bring that back.
1: Is it what is quote unquote danger lesbian?
0: Kate Blanchett as Irina Spalko. Okay, is danger lesbian. Okay, yeah. A- it, also, well, I guess
1: is that a new paper you're working on? No, oh, okay. No, it's I've just, never heard such a the, term. The
0: mode for like, Kate Blanchett's danger lesbians are fantastic. She she does it very well. And then there's also the uh, chaos bisexual like Hela in the Thor movie that she did. Did you remember? Kate yeah. Blanchett is Hella. That's all I remember about that movie. Why
1: is her orientation <laughs> always a factor in these performances?
0: It is though. <laughs> Maybe in like I don't. I cannot explain it. But I'm not prepared to defend this. Is
1: it her haircut or what is it about her? No, in... it's
0: just also in what is Ocean's Eight.
1: Oh, I never She's saw that. She's also
0: chaos bisexual in Ocean's Eight.
1: Okay, is this some sort of fan fiction you're working on, like the different tiers of Kate Blanchett? Uh,
0: I'm, I'm observing performance ticks. What what is I Blue think? Jasmine? That's a good question. I have seen Blue Jasmine. She just cries a lot. I don't know. She's on the verge of tears in that movie. It's it's she really holds the camera. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Speaking of problematic people who haven't aged well. Um, anyway, uh, Woody uh, Allen. Woody Allen. Of yeah, course, yeah. yes. Yeah. Kate Blanchett. It's fine. Yeah.
1: It's nice that she shows up in
0: Crystal Skull. Yeah. It's it's good to see her. So anyway, the artifacts. Let's go through the artifacts here. Okay. Raiders of the Lost Ark, which again was a subtitle that they had to add when they started adding Indiana Jones. I think it was just, or no, it was Raiders of the Lost Ark. That was the title, and then they had to add Indiana Jones later. That's what it was when he was the anchor for the series. They had to add that in. So anyway, Raiders of the Lost Ark is, of course, the Ark of the Covenant, biblical mm-hmm. stuff, um, which you know sets up a really nice like this. You know, Judeo-Christian, especially the, you know, the the Jewish importance of this Ark of the Covenant with God, like, weighed against the Nazis trying to leverage this. I mean, we have a sort of tightly intertwined balance there between, you know, the thing that's being pursued and the villains that are trying to pursue it. Um, That's nice. And then in Temple of Doom, the artifact is just some rock. Um, so that's hey. a giant step down. <laughs> I'm just saying that. And then we get back to the Holy Grail, the Last Crusade, it's, 1989.
1: It's the, it's the circumstance of the rock in Temple sure, of Sure,
0: it's some rock. And then the Last Crusade, we get back to the Holy Grail. So we sort of return to I this, my this, this origin. In. Uh, we've got River Phoenix as young Indy, which is great, yeah. which is great to see him just briefly.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Sean Connery as his dad. Yes, Speaking Sean of Connery
0: and, and problematic individuals. Yes. Um, we've got the knight who says knee back in a cave somewhere. Um, so many freaking caves. Like nobody actually has to dig anything. That's, I, I would love to know these are what- the
1: tombs that are being raided. I would probably.
0: love to- But they're caves. Like it's too convenient that all this stuff is happening in caves. Like Archaeology is about digging. Like I just, in I, caves not always this is my point I wonder what real archaeologists have to say about this like it's I mean it's probably
1: very factually accurate well it's probably
0: very similar to what actual spies have to say about the spy craft and James yes. Bond like I mean like the fantasy is here but I just love how the fantasy involves so many caves like that's that's,
1: that's why I like uh, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy This uh, is just a bunch of grumpy older men in a room yeah
0: exactly it's a dude's <laughs> talking movie but that's they're talking about spies. that's
1: what spy is
0: oh more or less yeah um Anyway yeah so so many caves the knight who says knee what else Kingdom of the crystal <laughs> skull we've got the the, the woman comes back and Karen Allen returns
1: Karen Allen Karen so, Allen so do you think that she is also treated very sexistly
0: I think in the first one absolutely. Um, she gets, absolutely she gets the she gets the jump gets on the be, guy she gets yeah him, she yes but I mean it's so perfunctory and it's just sort of like here you can have this tidbit honey and it just it, it doesn't come across as convincing at all it's the quote unquote strong woman character as 1981 would have conceived it and it's not nearly sufficient but I don't but, but, I, but the thing, that thing that about thing she Karen does Allen, is
1: inherently like what is inherently offensive about she she doesn't take his crap like what is
0: she's dressed in. Like completely inappropriate clothing for adventuring. That's because
1: the evil Nazi man makes well, her put on a dress.
0: How convenient, isn't it? <laughs> how convenient. Um, He's the bad guy, right? Yeah, but I, it's 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 too convenient. Okay. Like she she's not the you know the singing lady. I of think the second in the one.
1: context of a strong female character for you know the era, I don't think she's that bad. Compared to Temple of Doom.
0: Well, I think the thing is, is when we have Karen Allen in the first one and then she comes back right, um, in yeah. a big way for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and it's fantastic to see her and there's this bit of dialogue where, you know, Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones gets to tell her, yeah. you know, like, yeah, so of there were other women but they weren't you. It's, as a viewer, you also feel this. Yes. Like, these other women in these other films, like, don't even...
1: The fin- there's I mean, a film Forget about the fact um, that in
0: The Last Crusade yeah. she's an actual Nazi. Yeah. Like, the woman is an actual Nazi. Like,
1: there were female Nazis.
0: Well, of course, but it, but like, but I mean, to, to have it's that, it's the love character, of, It's
1: the love with his dad.
0: Yeah, but it's, oh, why does that have to affect with a Nazi? It's just, why do they have to make a, a twist? It's a twist. It's a twist, but it's a really piss poor one, frankly. I think it's, it's really disappointing because it muddles the really nice balance that the first one really obviously thought through. Um, so, Last Crusade does well, but I mean, just don't deal with the woman like make something else like just I don't know. Put her in there some other way, and then of course, Kate Blanchett is the danger lesbian, so she doesn't get involved in the love triangle because now you also have Karen Allen rebalancing right. all of that. That was, it was nicely done, anyway, and, and so you, you totally buy like Karen Allen is back, and and you know like yeah. that that part of things just you know gets balanced out, and she comes back again for Dial of Destiny in yes. ways that I'm not going to spoil. It's it's she is the emotional core, I think, of the entire series. Well, you by miss Dial of Destiny, when,
1: definitely. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean. I missed her when she wasn't there in yeah. the other two, and it's just like, guys, you missed this. But you didn't like her. You just said you didn't like her portrayal in the first one. Oh, it's not her fault. She was great. Her okay, character. Okay. Her character was not. Was not granted. You kind of wanted to enough. see
1: her evolve as a character in the other ones, and I think she did. Her involvement. In I just. Yeah, the first
0: one. I, I do think she did. Like in Kingdom, Kingdom of the Crystal can, Skull, can, she's got more to that, do, yeah. and I think she's treated much better. Like, like, you know. She doesn't
1: have that much to do, and she drives the car.
0: In a giant sequence of, the, you know, chasing through an impossibly she long is jungle. Very,
1: I appreciate, I agree. <laughs> I think she would be not, if she was consistent, she is very perfunctory in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It's nice to see her. Yeah. Yes. But she does not do that much in Kingdom of the Crystal She brings some heart. Yes. But in terms of her general involvement, No. I disagree. But they managed
0: to find a way to use her in a way that is less objectifying. Yes, which they didn't do in the first round.
1: In general, they seem to get more mature about that.
0: Well, I also didn't really objectify Kate Blanchett's danger lesbian either. No. Which again, like I think this 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 notion of the danger lesbian sort of prevents a I'm lot of that. I'm uncomfortable
1: with you just calling her her that. danger
0: lesbian. Yes. <laughs> I mean this with all due respect. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's it. Do you do you understand what I mean by the type? No. And there's a distinction between the danger lesbian and the chaos by. No, no. The chaos bisexual.
1: I didn't read your your no. your blog. No, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what you're talking about. We have to start
0: about. a blog just to talk about <laughs> Kate Blanchett's chaos bisexual.
1: Where does Tar fit into all this? Oh, oh, see, yeah,
0: she's a dang, dang, danger lesbian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's written she's into keeping the text. The, she's yeah, keeping yeah, the... yeah, yeah. I mean, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It's it's all subtext. It's all subtext. She she. It's all subject. She's so. Per- it, no, I, it's, I, it's it's. Did anyway. you
1: like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull the most out of these? I don't
0: think I liked it the most, but I really think it gets unfairly slagged. On. I don't think it's that far a departure as people were making it out to be.
1: I think it. I, here's my major problem with Ke- Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It looks like crap. It 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 feels like everything has been filmed through a jar of urine.
0: But I think everything from that era using CGI has the same problem. No,
1: no, no. That movie especially. Uh, the the jar of urine applied to the CGI. You can directly trace to something like Shang-Chi and the and, oh, the, and yeah, the, oh, the rings, like the woods. Yeah, That's even CGI.
0: later. Yeah, yeah that's the, even more recent, isn't it? The
1: woods CGI. I ah. agree. But the whole movie has this yeah. kind of nostalgic just like golden hue to everything. Everything yeah. looks clean. Everything yeah. looks Sanitized. It's yeah. And uh, Dial of Destiny does not have that problem, and and none of the other three. Dial of Destiny has a nice sort of uh, nostalgic hue. Yeah. But it is not. It doesn't feel like blurred and Vaseline-y. I, I really hate the look of um,
0: of crystal skull. Crystal skull. Yeah, plus that's my art- major problem. Plus the artifact it. is alien bones.
1: Well, can I can I let you in se- on which is
0: the second worst artifact in the series? Can space. I let you in on
1: a little secret? Colin? Yes. See, this is me getting low. So, Tyline, you need to boost this. <laughs> I get low when I get serious. Uh-huh. I was obsessed with the actual artifact, the crystal skull, because I think it's really cool. I think it's been, it's come, it's a real thing. I think it's it come is out an actual object. It's an actual object. I think it's come out that it's a fraud. What? I oh, know that's weird. Um, <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, crystal, wait. What? Crystal skull <laughs> is not from an alien head. Uh- um but there is an actual crystal skull and it's 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 what?
0: like actual archaeological find
1: in the british museum i've seen it what? yes but it doesn't look like the crystal skull in the movie um but the alien connection this is this is from ter- you know very abbreviated research that I did when I was like thirteen, some something.
0: Wikipedia page
1: or before Wikipedia. Oh man,
0: um, that is really suspect. But
1: uh, it, it was a cool looking crystal skull that uh-huh. some guy found with his this daughter is not before
0: Wikipedia in two thousand eight. What so, whatever. All
1: right. I was obsessed with it before the movie came out. Um, and he found the skull, and what was weird about it allegedly is that it could not have been made by the civilization that he found it in, which is mm-hmm. similar to the civilization, I think, in the movie, which is like sort of a Mayan sort of South right. American yeah. temple. And people have, when they're in the room with the crystal skull, they see visions mm-hmm. and doors shut or something like that. And then I think it came out that it was made and it's all a hoax or something. But – um I was way into the mystery of the Crystal Skull. So when I heard that Indiana Jones was about this, I was like, hell yeah. And I already figured that it was going to be about aliens. And I was on board for that, too. Um, But that's
0: also extremely racist. You know, that's a real trope um, that aliens are responsible for all of these, you know, advancements in so-called, quote unquote, primitive societies like that. That interpretation of history is deeply, deeply racist. And I think that's more and more acknowledged that, that that we really shouldn't be thinking about things in those terms. Like, of course, you know, societies can come to all kinds of different advancements on their own. It doesn't need to come from white people. Right. You know, white people should not be concluding. Oh, aliens must have taught you this. You can't or, do this or, on your own. I mean, using, it is a really derogatory assumption.
1: Or using, if it, if it, which I think it is a hoax, using that as the mythological backbone for creating mystery behind it. Like it was discovered yeah. in this primitive society. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. That yeah. is also very problematic. Yeah, But I was more into like, oh, it's like making people go mad in the museum. right like that's the kind of stuff I was I was <laughs> well, into.
0: Did you see the little news bit that they're they're supposedly putting alien mummies in, yes. uh, in a Mexican court? Yes. So, but it was like it's actually cat skeletons. Something like there's, you know. They're crazy
1: looking cats.
0: I they not none of this looks real. I, I how did that how, I Mexican taxpayers what are you paying for? <laughs> Why are your courts even giving this a time? I, I've not. You don't read believe? In, do you believe
1: in aliens, Colleen?
0: I mean, there has to be life elsewhere than on Earth. I don't believe. I just, I, I refuse to believe in any kind of exceptionalism. I think exceptionalism hmm. generally is a really poisonous ideology wherever we find it. So I think to to frame the Earth as somehow the only place in the universe where there's, I think that's vanishingly unlikely. Um, but I also think that you know, if whatever life exists beyond our Earth probably doesn't look like the life we can recognize. So yeah, that's
1: something that Nope does a really cool job with. Yes. Um. Yeah. That's but I, true. I, uh, uh, we need to have a whole podcast on the Mothman because I'm also mildly obsessed with the Mothman,
0: as in the Mothman the, prophecies, as
1: in the movie and the legend. Richard,
0: Gere, that was filmed not far from my house. Where I know. I grew so up. you saw like the in Mothman. like the the nor- uh, county to the north.
1: Do you remember a, a figure with red eyes? Oh, I just flying. remember Richard
0: Gere was like on the front page <laughs> of my hometown paper when so the a prophecies with... were were being filmed. <laughs> Okay. So I, I don't think anybody really paid any attention to what the movie was about. Someday was, I'll have
1: you watch Batman Prophecy. It's a good we, little movie. We should
0: do like hometown movie filming. There was that one. And, and there the was
1: The Strangers, which is a terrifying horror film made in th- yeah, Florence, Yeah, you you've South told Carolina. me about
0: that. There was another one in my hometown. They used uh, a stadium. It was Jake Gyllenhaal as a boxer. What was that movie? And nobody saw uh, it.
1: Uh, Southpaw. Southpaw,
0: yes. They, they filmed the boxing in my Have you hometown, seen the big, in my big chill? No. That was
1: filmed in Beaufort, South Carolina, really? with Jeff Goldblum. Oh, we should do and, that. And you have
0: cute. you have cooler ones. The big, big Chill is a real touchstone for the yeah, '80s. Anyway. It's
1: okay. Yeah. Anyway, so
0: anyways, di- yeah. So, uh,
1: my so I I was into the concept of the Crystal Skull, and right. then I saw the movie. It came out on my birthday. Oh wow! And I saw the movie, and I'm like, oh. There's way too much CGI.
0: The other thing I really appreciate about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, looking back on it now from um, the wisdom of age and a career in academia, his dean goes to bat for him in a way that I find really charming. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, they're they're very they're very all of the academic people around him are very supportive. I mean, in Dial of I, Destiny too.
0: That, that, so when I was trying to get through these movies, um, I mentioned this at the dinner table or the breakfast table to my daughters, and they said, "What is this Indiana Jones thing?" Because you know their father and my father, you know, they went to see Indiana Jones together this summer when it came out. I opted out. As I mentioned, I was at TJ Maxx. Um, and they said, what is Indiana Jones about? And I told them, well, look, he's an archaeologist. And so he spends his time in his office writing grants and planning field trips for his research and digging things up. And, mm-hmm. and, and we see him teaching his students and grading a whole lot of papers. And, it's, and he's an academic. So that's the film. And they're both looking at me like, <laughs> they can't tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> So I have them convinced that it's really a portrait of of humanities academia. When
1: they watch it, it's going to blow their minds. I mean, like, oh I, I'll just
0: say that whatever budget one of these movies actually had could could fuel the dreams of any humanities faculty anywhere on the planet for like at least a decade.
1: That's why they're so supportive of him. Because I, I, yeah. his adventures, he brings back these artifacts that support the funding they're of the That apparently just go
0: into a giant warehouse, which we end up seeing in Dial of Destiny. It's like, geez, they just sit there? <laughs>
1: In Dial of Destiny, there's a giant... W- oh, yeah, yeah there's yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the archival he, thing. Yeah,
0: he, and he has to take um, the very improbably nicknamed Wombat back to um, <laughs> to see all this stuff. Phoebe
1: Waller-Bridge. So Waller- it's yeah. not a Spielberg movie, so we're cheating. No, yeah. But, but, but it's but, it's but relevant. But wanted,
0: yeah, but I mean, yeah, I wanted to see like, what maybe points of contrast there were. Yeah. First of all, I'm really surprised they didn't get J.J. Abrams to do it. Because for a while, J.J. Abrams was really like... Spielberg's protege right I have no idea what happened but I'm not sure that that's still true
1: <laughs> well, maybe the, the way that uh, the Star Wars franchise went down
0: maybe I don't or Star Trek didn't J.J. Abrams do a couple of the Trek yeah, but movies?
1: He, I don't he, it, he was not the problem it was the writing but he he I felt like he took more of it on the chin for Rise of Skywalker um, abrams did because he kind of came back he, he took the reins over from ryan johnson yeah the mm-hmm. rise of skywalker i don't know his he was more vocally in the in, in the out front for rise of skywalker i don't i think he co-wrote it as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. and rise of skywalker is really have you seen rise of skywalker no
0: I, i'm it's, sort of off start okay it's I, really
1: I'm... bad i think he did a good job with um the uh uh the reboot one uh with harrison ford um Force Awakens? I think that's ah. a, that's a fun little retread. Is that of, the
0: one with um Kylo Ren?
1: Yeah. Yes, I saw he's that in all, one. He's in all of them. I enjoy I that. that one. And he directed that very well. But yeah. um I think JJ Abrams is on a bit of a he, I think he's he's maybe not as hot right now with okay. with 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 taking over these old franchises. Well, yeah. Um but, but what, I
0: mean, but the thing is is what else is there for an aspiring blockbuster director to do?
1: Well, James Mangold's around.
0: James Mangold is around, and he has directed a bunch of, of other stuff. Walk the Line was his. I was surprised to see yeah, The L- Wolverine,
1: Logan, Logan which yeah. is fantastic,
0: which is yeah, and uh, as well as Ford versus Ferrari, rather recently, oh, okay. which I didn't watch, but my husband, the car person, absolutely did, and I guess enjoyed. So.
1: And now there's just a movie called Ferrari. Not yet, so. With Adam Driver. And f- that's a prequel to Ford versus Ferrari. And then they're Are, gonna,
0: Wait, no. And really? then.
1: What? There's going to be Ford versus Ferrari 2. And then another prequel just called Ford.
0: Faster and furiouser. <laughs> Ford and Ferrari.
1: I was thinking they were connected. <laughs> well, but they, not. We got
0: to like get those franchises to merge somehow. Well, they bit. did. It's anyway. Ford versus and Ferrari. It's like Freddie versus let's, Jason. Let's all hail Harrison Ford for anchoring. My God, how many of these? He was Indiana There's Jones, Han Solo. I mean, you, did you know, here's a bit of trivia, Decker. Harrison Ford was supposed to star in, or he was screen tested for Agnes Varda's Hollywood film that she never got to make. So they were pals. There are their photos of them like visiting each other whenever she was around. You know, they, they'd visit. Oh. That's nice to think about.
1: And you, do you like Harrison Ford because of this? You said he reminds you of...
0: Of my, of my dad, yes. Yeah, Yeah. There, there's, there's something about, like, especially, like, this relationship with Karen Allen and the relationship especially with Carrie Fisher that reminds me of my parents. <laughs> oh, <laughs> There's something about the same. But there's also the way, this way that, that Harrison Ford does line reading. I'm sorry, Dad, if you're listening to this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but there's a way that Harrison Ford does line readings when he's mad. He sort of really hits his consonants uh, in a uh, way uh, that uh, lets uh, you know he's angry. My dad does the same thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Maybe he got it from Harrison Ford.
0: Maybe. I, yeah. I, you know, that's possible.
1: Um, but I mean,
0: there, there, I think Harrison Ford's a bit older than Speaking my, of my dads. Father, but, yeah. But I mean, there, there is something very like avuncular about his persona that, that has riveted me in a way that I think is a different kind of, you know, point of interest that it's other than attraction. But I will watch him in anything. I oh, think okay. He's really, he will grab your attention. And then just the fact that he could... Do this and still just be Harrison Ford whenever you see him on screen. Like, there is this sort of blade runner,
1: it gets a a little complicated. It
0: does get a little more complicated there, but but, because he was given what?
1: Yeah. I watched the three-hour.
0: Yeah, I've seen both Blade Runners.
1: I've seen, well, I've seen the three-hour documentary about the making of Blade Runner.
0: Oh, God. Yes. And Harrison
1: Ford alleges that Ridley Scott essentially gave him no direction. Okay. Or barely any and said, you're an actor. You can do it. Like, like you know what you're doing, Harrison Ford.
0: Good job, Ridley Scott. So that's
1: why his performance in the first Blade Runner, he's a little stiff. He's a little, which kind of works. But then there's some, he does some bad. There's some weird stuff going on in that first Blade Runner, and then he really does a good job. I think in 2042, he oh, brings yeah. a, he brings a good humanity. Yes, yes, his performance in yeah. that.
0: Yeah, he's done really interesting things as yeah. you know, the, this the, as as an older guy. Yeah, like and and bringing that level of reflection into things.
1: Dial of Destiny.
0: He was good in Dial of Destiny. Let's talk about the de aging. Because let's
1: talk about the de-aging. Yeah,
0: that that's sort of the digital uh, step too far in a way. I'm oof.
1: It's terrible. It was
0: I, it was <laughs> it was worse on Mads Mickelson as the villain. Like well, I, I found nothing his, looks good. Nothing I found looks his, bad on
1: Mads Mickelson. No, I, I, the
0: de-aging looked terrible. He looked like he <laughs> he looked like one of the aliens from the crystal skull. How I mean, I really. dare you? It, he just looked otherworldly. Madge, you look great. No, but um, um, I have thoughts on Madge. He Wilson. looks fine. I'm talking about the computer stuff. Like, well, don't don't let them do of, that to your face. We Matt. see more
1: of Harrison Ford. Well, I found it. I found it fascinatingly bad. It was like it was. <laughs> so, if, for those who don't know, Dial of Destiny opens with this like um twenty minute long action scene spectacular that is that is completely cartoonish and unnecessary and stupid. I
0: disagree because it always opens in like in medias res. We're always already in the middle of something. I know.
1: They could when have these done it. They start. could have done it better. Again
0: it's part of the formula.
1: I know. And but that you know that they spent so much money yeah. on making Harrison Ford. The lighting on yeah. certain parts, yeah. the, the usage of like moisture. Oh, uh, because it's like raining or there's rain somewhere.
0: Oh, yeah. They're showing off the technology.
1: And it, it's never convincing for a moment. I, His voice, not... it, it just, there's a part where he's running on the top of the train and it looks like like uh, um, Gumby or yeah. something.
0: I don't think it's really about being convincing, to be honest. I think it's about showing off the capacity to generate the spectacle.
1: I think they want us to buy into a young Harrison Ford.
0: Well, I I just I wonder I I It's like
1: a cartoon. Speaking back to but, Temple but of Doom. But we know.
0: Like the thing is we know. Like Harrison Ford cannot look that young. And then later in the same film, we see him as he is, not looking that young. Like there there's there's no suspension of disbelief there. You know what I mean? Like like I guess we sort of just go we have to go into this basically willing to say oh look at how well they've done this the so technology is the point
1: why would that be what you would want to have as an immersive component I of i don't your film? know
0: i mean i think this is what hollywood is going for that's the path that they seem to have decided they to go down
1: have just gone down the wrong path and
0: i am not sure that viewers are willing to follow them i mean we're really at a turning point here because this, this also goes back to the construction of stardom Like, okay, we've got Harrison Ford, and he's been with this franchise, and so, I mean, you're you're, you're committed to him, and he's obviously committed to the franchise, and that's great, but, I mean, just, we we can't just CGI existing stars into these kinds of movies. Eventually, you're either going to have to build new stars to anchor these franchises, or, well, is she going to get to be the anchor? I'd I'd be very surprised. Well, this fifth
1: movie bombed horribly
0: Yeah. So I think it's done. But uh, but I mean, it is. You you can see it like we're going back to the strikes again. You know, people are striking precisely because Hollywood wants to CGI actors. Just invent people and put them in place.
1: Speaking of Star Wars, they've done that a lot with Star Wars.
0: Yes. Yes. And sometimes posthumously, like putting the dearly departed Carrie Fisher. I
1: don't know if she she died... I think she died shortly after they wrapped on that. Yes, but I. But think... But she was. A, it was creepy because she was dead, and then. The and movie then they came put her, yes, yeah, yeah.
0: but but well, yeah, well, but no, but I think then isn't she like a hologram in another one? Like they, they, they sort of. They had
1: unused footage, and right. they put and her in.
0: Yes, and so they put her in something that was actually released after her death.
1: Do You know the best. Speaking of this, do you know the best use of this, mm. by the way, digital mm. de aging? Yeah. It's so good. I don't think anything can top it. Is in Blade Runner twenty forty nine when they bring back. Um, his love interest oh, I can't remember her name. Um, Rachel? Rachel. Mm. And she's the young Rachel. and yes. it's, the same, it's the actress it, being yeah, visually yeah. the Sean age. Sean Young? Sean Young, thank you. And it's it's meant to look creepy yeah. and uncanny. Well, yeah. And it's perfect. It,
0: it's built into the context there. Yes. But I think that's the thing. Like Hollywood is sort of training us to see this as something natural. But I just think, like, you can't like bring back Bogart now. And not, like the jig is up. No one is, like that, that core suspension of disbelief becomes impossible. And it's like, they have deluded themselves into thinking that people can overcome this. I just don't think that we can as audience members. So,
1: but that being said, yeah. Dial of destiny. Yeah. I kind of liked a lot. I thought it was boring (laughs) and repetitive and generic, (laughs) but relatively mature. Mm Um, uh, uh, well helmed, uh, not particularly fun, um, uh, not, not all a good humor or anything like that. But I I, I really I, I was surprised. I went in with no expectations. I was mm-hmm. cuddling with Alev on the couch. You know, she's a fan of the franchise. It was a perfect ideal situation to watch it. Yeah. Um, And we were both like, yeah, Dial of Destiny. Yeah it's okay yeah. um I, we are mads mickelson is perfect for yes. these movies yes he, he he's so good yeah there's his whole villain character being schmidt and he works at a school of alabama and he's been biding <laughs> his time <laughs> don't he, send
0: me back to alabama i can't go back to alabama yeah. and and he has his little,
1: his little his little bunch of agents that he works with and i don't want to get into the ending But uh, how did you feel about, I love the ending of Dial of Destiny, Uh, from an emotional perspective and like a purely ridiculous schlock perspective. Mads Mickelson is like crying because he's failed. Um, Fortunately, you know his plan, and I don't want to spoil it, won't work because of how time works, Mads. (laughs) You know it won't work, buddy. But, But math works. But math works. Um, but I, I was—they—they really—they really went for it in a way that mm-hmm. was shocking and fun, and—and uh, and so yeah, it's it, by the end I was really—I was really impressed. Um, uh, some of the you know special effects don't work, but it didn't look like it was shot through a jar of urine like <laughs> Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Um, and Harrison Ford sold this kind of pathos for his character. He did, yeah. I think fundamentally, here's how I would fix it. Can I fix the whole franchise for you right now? Please. Take the narrative, take Mads Mikkelsen, mm-hmm. uh, keep this kind of estranged child figure, which is in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull yes. and in Dial of Destiny to a certain extent.
0: Yes. Not uh, his so, kid, but right. colleague's kid. Someone
1: who gets him back into it.
0: Which again, sort of forecloses the romantic attachment right. and refocuses on Karen Allen. Right. Which is keep what, Karen Allen. Well, which is what they should have done all along. But in anyway. both
1: And in, 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 give her more to do, but keep that emotional core. Make that the fourth film. It's about him recognizing and going back for one more adventure, and he's reconnecting with people that he's sort of left behind—usually a child or his wife—and mm-hmm. it's about him sort of uh, maturing and 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 still having that one last final mission to say for it, and and realizing what it's all been worth because it. it, it Dial of Destiny feels the need to reset what Kingdom of the Crystal Skull did to give him that pathos mm. without spoiling it.
0: You're basically retconning Crystal Skull right. totally out of the franchise.
1: Keep and, and that but, fixes things, right? And then, but then also, he Harrison Ford is not so old that he can't do some of the more stunt work stuff that he does in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. There's some cool things that he feels more of an action man in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull than yes. he does. Yes. And so also I think also. It,
0: where do you put Kate Blanchett as the danger lesbian?
1: Uh, she and Mads Mickelson have a, have a torrid affair. Okay, <laughs> it's a communist, Nazi. They're, they're a duo. Yes. Okay. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um,
0: I can get behind that
1: because fundamentally, there there should. I don't like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull that much, and fundamentally, there should not be a fifth movie in this franchise. Fundamentally, that's why it bombed. No one wants to see this. No one wants to see a digital DDH Harrison Ford, no matter how much people want to show off their tech. Yeah. Harrison Ford is too old for this. But if you're going to make a fifth Indiana Jones film, they did about as well yeah. as Within I think the constraints, they could.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree.
1: Um, and I think you know, combining them in strategic and emotional ways, keeping certain elements, yeah. getting rid of others, I think that fourth Indiana Jones film would have been really great. There's another. Not that you If care- only
0: there weren't an actual fourth. Film.
1: Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, this is random, but there's a pattern also in uh, there's a game franchise co- called Uncharted, which is a is a which is sort of a a male Tomb Raider, which is sort of redundant because we have Indiana Jones for That's that. That's right. But anyway, uh, it's a Nathan Drake, and he goes on these sort of uh, swashbuckling adventures. Sure, he does. And the fourth game in that franchise is about him reconciling with. Being a thief, essentially, okay. and stealing these artifacts. Like, what is his, the, the darker motivation of a swashbuckling, okay. you know, white a-hole, is, essentially? Is
0: there a danger lesbian?
1: I think sort of, yeah. Really? Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Kind of. But unfortunately, she's an a, a African, uh, British, I forget where she's from. She's a, a black character voiced by a white lady, which oh. is problematic. But anyway. This
0: is the game? Yeah, this uh, is the game.
1: Um, I, but I, I don't like the term "dangerous." <laughs> I want to be on record okay. at saying that. Okay. Um, but Cape Blanchett's not in it. But my point is the idea of taking like a, yes, we're adventure, blah, 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 and then making something that's, well, is that a good thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or are you past your prime? Are yeah, you, yeah. How do you reflect? Yeah. I think that's a good, and I think that's what I appreciate about Dial of Destiny is reflecting on that. And there's also great bits where he's complaining about You've not you drunk the blood of Kali. You know.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why am I here? Um, this, this sucks. Um, yeah. but I, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed So a little, a mm-hmm. mild recommendation. Go in with no expectations and you might enjoy Dial of Destiny. I think it's, to your point about your dad, I yeah. think Dial of Destiny is a good dad movie. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, kind yeah. of slow, um, uh, kind of more, uh, you know, character driven. Yes. It, it, I don't know. I yeah. was into it.
0: Yeah. All right. Shall we talk a little bit about The Fablemans? Yeah,
1: sorry. This is... So, So, The Fablemans. Yes, we're
0: going to pivot to The Fablemans at this point. (laughs)
1: Yes, a very Um, different film than the Indiana Jones films.
0: It is, but I mean, again, this is a deeply, deeply autobiographical work from Spielberg, and I think it's the kind of film that I would like to see more of from him. Um, Sensitive. Well, it, it, it is – but it's also – I mean, this is a sort of – it's his origin story basically as a director and, and the family and, and the, the dynamics that get set up. I, I just want to say before we get started, it's nice to see Michelle Williams and Seth Rogen paired again in like the emotional opposite of Take This Waltz from Sarah Polly, um, who whose films you won't watch because you hate her titles. But Take This Waltz, an extremely Canadian film. The title comes from a Leonard Cohen song already – deep in canadiana here and seth rogan's um, in it seth rogan is in it michelle williams is in it the, the movie begins with michelle williams married to seth rogan and the film is basically about how they come apart as a couple and in the fablemans it's uh sort of the opposite okay, so it's, can it's I just a really say, interesting companion piece to sarah polly she saw this coming
1: michelle williams has been typecast as uh, a wife who wants to get out of a marriage uh I, the last time i saw her in was brokeback mountain um, so that mm. she's constantly having You've marital seen issues. you
0: not anything else with Michelle I Williams think, uh, since well, then?
1: Well, no, I, not since then. I mean, since Brokeback Mountain.
0: Well, you only just recently yeah, saw yeah, yeah. Brokeback Mountain. Okay, I remember so.
1: her as Gl- Glinda the Good Witch in that Oz movie. Oh. <laughs> that *Oz* I, I completely Oz, the forgot great and powerful. she Everybody was in, the, everybody in was that. In that to, yeah. We well, don't need to talk or, about no, it. No, let's. Um. No, but she's really good, but I can't. She's
0: amazing in this movie. Oh, yeah. But again, it's, she's it's... such an emotional anchor. Yes. Yeah.
1: She she hits him great in the back. Well, but the... yeah.
0: But I mean, I wouldn't characterize her here as somebody whose primary goal is to get out of her marriage. I mean, that's, I think it's to the movie's credit. It ends up happening. Yes. I mean, that you can kind of see that coming. Um, I mean, it's in all the reviews as well. Like, this is about Spielberg's parents' divorce, but I mean, it's it's I like how, how it gets constructed.
1: Paul Dano is using his supremely uh, punchable face. Oh my god! To great effect.
0: Paul Dano, yeah,
1: very pa- likable. Extremely, more likable, yes, but... he's extremely
0: sympathetic while also being very, utterly clueless yeah, about yeah. so much that matters to people around him.
1: I like him saying, "I had a dream where I punched Benny in the face. I don't know what he did." <laughs> <laughs> and Michelle Williams was is like, like horrified uh, yeah, and, and, and yeah, crying.
0: Yeah.
1: Do you think your father knows? Um yeah.
0: But Paul Dano as an actor can't really age with the character as no. well as Michelle Williams yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm much more convinced that time is passing when I look at Michelle Williams and I look at Paul Dano, it's like it's whatever whatever year this is, it's always that year. Paul
1: Dano, I was looking, he's, he he's been in like good movie oh, after yeah. good movie. Yeah, he, yeah, has yeah. Really, he has a really he's really good choice he makes good choices. He does. Yeah. Uh, with i mean it's it's a difficult choice to be in a Spielberg film, uh, but um yeah
0: really twist twist their arms all um, in.
1: but I enjoyed the Fablements a lot i it yeah. was a better licorice pizza <laughs> it reminded um, me a lot of licorice pizza there, that is replace the the weird uh, uh, age imbalance yeah. romance yeah. with yeah. his love for movies, and it's essentially. <laughs> A uh, licorice pizza. Because it's very <laughs> vignette-y. It, it, it is, it, yeah. It's like, oh, this is his encounter with the bullies at school. This is the parents' right. divorce. This yes. is the the camping trip. This is the the yeah. move or whatever. Yeah. So that, there, there's like a episodic um, quality. I like the impetus for his whole filmmaking. Joy is sort of a traumatic uh, screening of The Greatest Show on Earth, which is a movie yeah. I haven't seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, watching that as a kid.
0: Yeah. And just at the very beginning, his mother giving him the camera, like, this is how you can take control of these images. And that's, it's such a powerful way to put it. And it it makes so much sense, like logically that that's sort of how that happens. And then what happens after that. And, and, and then ultimately realizing like, it's not really about control. It can be about other things too. yeah, Yeah, Coping and, but also like putting things in that. That's just not there, which is what happens with the bullies. I mean, I think yeah. the, the, the bullying stuff is such a trite yes, thing to include in any narrative of high school, but the way that it's put in there— humanizes everybody in a way that is really startlingly original and refreshing. well it ends
1: it ends kind of pat it does with a like little. of like I, mean, I like you but i hate you i'll see you later it has that kind of um yeah well i guess this is over now yeah, kind yeah. Of. It, it's but, a
0: little too openly acknowledged yes. that it's that okay we're just gonna we're done with this part yeah yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. um but i yeah the the way that he the, the one bully sort of breaks down yeah um, was like, very, like i can't yeah. measure up
0: to this like yeah, yeah. such a fantastic breakdown to, to have that realization and and to acknowledge so openly in a movie like this that you know the movies are not real and we are infused this is what i was saying before we're infusing all kinds of ideologies into this and people who will represent these ideologies and now it doesn't match up to reality it's not it's kind of not supposed but, to but then
1: he can capture the reality of his mom loving benny very well on camera so that is there is reality there
0: that that that, well it makes evident things that might go unnoticed uh that's that's another capacity so it is a sort of you know catalog as it were of different things that film can do and can be for the people who make it it was great yeah
1: um, I, th- I mean, it was, it was, uh, I, it was one of those things where I'm, I'm laying, I'm watching it at midnight and I saw oh. it's two and a half hours long yeah. and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and then it was, it was, you know, it, it drew yeah, me in. Yeah, it passes,
0: in. it it does, it does, it, it there, yeah.
1: the, the ending, I can say like to this patness, this, this simplicity of like, well, he's going to have this moment with his mom at the end and he's mm-hmm. going to have his moment with his dad at the end and they're going to give him some advice and then it has a nicely, Cynical ending with the, the one, coda. Yeah, with the one and only John Ford, aka David
0: Lynch. David Lynch playing John Ford.
1: If the horizon is in the bottom, it's good. The horizon's in the top, it's good. Oh man! The horizon's in the middle, it's boring. <laughs> um, with his eye patch and his his smooches it's, it's, on him. It's
0: like his own. It's it's a, it's a short film. It stands alone as a short. Yeah, film. it is.
1: It does. Yeah, yeah and then the the acknowledgement the meta joke there's several good meta jokes yeah. but the he mm-hmm. him messing with the horizon at the end at the
0: very end i it's, was like oh that's cute it is yeah
1: um uh have you seen any john ford Stuff I think we may have referred to this. I've not seen. I've, I think I saw the Searchers. I saw the Searchers many many years ago, and uh, I definitely remember the man who shot Liberty Valance because that's a very kind of cool postmodern. I
0: haven't even seen it, and that's one of Jimmy Stewart's big roles. so yeah, yeah. I feel very ashamed. But, but it's anyway. also
1: it's also really good. John Wayne and very good. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the guy that looks, he scowls all the time? Uh, Lee Marvin. Lee Marvin, yeah. He's the Liberty Balance. Mm-hmm. You just look at him and you're like, he's bad. I
0: see why he got shot. Yes.
1: <laughs> it makes sense why he should get shot. Um, no, it was good. Yeah. I don't know what much else to say except that um, it isn't like super schmaltzy. It isn't, he's, no. not, he's not looking at it with these rose colored glasses, no. but he is acknowledging, except when it comes to filmmaking. Yeah. And, and the power that that has. Movie the, magic. But in a why way does that- this
0: phrase keep coming up? It's like it's like movie magic trademark.
1: I didn't to, say that, did so
0: I? I keep saying I. I keep watching this stuff and thinking this is movie magic. I mean, th- this film is sort of how movie magic comes to be and yeah. what functions it serves. So it's it's rather transparent, admirably transparent, I think, in that respect.
1: Yeah. But but also
0: at the same time, it's got this emotional core to it that is very uh, gripping. And and, and fairly
1: grounded and and realistic. Oh, yeah. um, The, The
0: uncle that shows up. Like the this sort of you know black sheep uncle who shows up like yeah. oh, the family cut <laughs> yeah. me off because I that felt like something the out arts. of it was licorice
1: just... pizza like this wacky guy yeah. who just shows up for a scene out of yeah. nowhere
0: but it's this family connection and 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 yeah but you can sort of see how the family is structured not to value he like hurts the arts.
1: him he hurts him and says now you'll remember this moment because yeah. I hurt you uh, yeah I, I mean I think, your... I think that's
0: really relatable <laughs> to a lot of people
1: weird weird yeah. relatives
0: well weird relatives but also just this. You know, I mean, this is also sort of how the marriage comes apart, you know, like Michelle Williams is the the mom character is sort of attached to this family where it's the engineer and he's, he's, you know, he has to move to Silicon Valley because all that stuff is going on. And just sort of, you know, subsuming this, this part of herself to this larger it's about family, but it's also about like which part of the family gets valued socially more than others. And right. finally, she has to reclaim what she values as worthy of value. Um, and that's kind of part of what ends up breaking the marriage apart. And I think that's, you know, that that's a very clear-eyed way of looking at it. These are some of the social consequences that happen when you know we can't just commit to this right away, anyway,
1: and also acknowledging, the 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 horror of like divorce. Oh yeah, yeah. Like not shying away from that. There's no. the part where they try to explain to the kids, and the kids are asking very reasonable oh, questions. Oh sure, sure, and sure, 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 sure. Yeah. And um and he's off editing. Yeah. No. It's it's a very. I, I was very impressed with its emotional maturity. I think that that it, like because I think Licorice Pizza, for example, that you get he gets lost in his own nostalgia in that. Yeah. And he can't see the forest for the trees. No. kind of it's all about the details for that. Yeah. And then with Fablemans it's like, no, 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 this all this stuff happened to me. It, it was very important to me. And I learned this along the way. And there's a there is a a genuineness there that um, is nice to see. You know, I, I enjoyed Ready Player One. But that's a that's a very that's a very CGI heavy kind of nostalgia trip, nostalgia trip. And it's there's not much the humanity in it feels forced in the way that I think Spielberg can get kind of typecast as, which is like, oh, we need to have kind of a schmaltzy. Yeah, everything's okay, And that's the genius. Speaking of AI is when this kind of schmaltzy ending happens, it's it's contextualized in the most unsettling, creepy way. I don't want to spoil it for you because you've not seen it. One of these days, I'll have you watch AI. Um, but uh, so I think Spielberg gets typecast as that. And I think when people looked at the Fablemans, they're like, "Oh, it's going to be this like yeah, yeah, love letter to movies and his parents, yeah, blah, blah. But yeah, it's but not it's, that. It's,
0: it's it, well, it is, but it's much. It's got layers yes. that that are surprising coming from yes.
1: Spielberg. And it's not to say that Spielberg can't have layers. No, I think of I think Schindler's List has a lot of. But I mean, I think it, he, he
0: needs to lean more into the personal nostalgia, not the corporate nostalgia. I yes. Mean, yes. They keep hiring him for the corporate stuff. Yes. And
1: that's a very that's very well said, Colin. Thank you, Wickham. I try. That's what Ready Player One is, literally. Yeah. Is corporate exactly. nostalgia, except when they go into The Shining.
0: Yeah, but I mean, that's that's <laughs> you know, when you make how many different Indiana Jones, right? Uh, you, know, the, the, you end up becoming that person. So, yeah, no, it's good that he had the chance to break free of that for his own purposes. Yes.
1: So what do you think of him now? How do you feel about Spielberg? I feel
0: absolutely no different. (laughs) (laughs) You Um, have learned nothing from this experience. I have learned nothing from this experience. What have we learned, Colleen? Um, I have learned that practical effects really need to make a comeback. Do you think that's why
1: everyone swoons over Indiana Jones? Yes, I do. Mm -hmm.
0: I, I think... I think it makes for better movies, truly. Yeah. Do you remember and the I, shot I, I, and, in yeah. Raiders
1: when the gas is lit on the plane and the camera is following them running away from the plane and the gas is slowly lighting the, the, the fire's lighting the yeah, gasoline yeah. and yeah. it blows
0: How did they get that and exactly, shot? Exa- you should be sitting there going, how the hell did they do that? Yeah. Because if the answer to every single one of those questions is, oh, it's CGI, it gets boring yes. really quickly. Yeah. Really quickly. It goes... I mean, my, my whole theory about... something like The Sandman, which I watched. They yeah. gave The Sandman too much money, and they spent all of it on CGI garbage. Yeah. Like, you need half the budget and 10 times the inventiveness, and you will come up with something so much better. I mean, there's no better illustration of that than what happens in this series. I mean, in terms of the movie making, the whatever the ideological hang-ups, and there are plenty of those that we've already discussed, but, I mean, as films... They're damned impressive, (laughs) really.
1: I think it's called movie magic.
0: I think that's what we keep calling it, yeah. That is our episode, is it not? You Made Me Watch That is a production of the Department of Communication and Design at Bilkent University. You can support the podcast by subscribing with your favorite audio app and by following the Bilkent Cinema Society on Instagram at Beelkent Cinema. Our cover art was designed by Denis Vaditongor. Our weekly thumbnails are designed by Tylan Knuckle. Our theme music was composed by Dazio Zobsky. Check out more of his music on Spotify. This episode was recorded by Batuhan Buldu, edited by Tylan Knuckle and produced by Tylan Knuckle and the Bilkent Cinema Society with X- to our tech wrangler, Ozjan Akar. Do we have any special thanks for this episode? I just
1: want to get back to Mads Mikkelsen for a second. (laughs) My my love. Um, I wanted to acknowledge, and I told you this before, I find it very frustrating that he is in these big franchises too late. Hmm. He is pitch perfect in Dial of Destiny, but as a movie, it shouldn't necessarily exist. He's pitch perfect in The Secrets of Dumbledore, but that movie should not exist. Um, and I find it very frustrating. But he was in that Bond movie. I was going to ask you, is there a big franchise that you would want to see Mads Mikkelsen in? Because he's also in Star Wars. He's he, done yeah, a lot. He's,
0: he's, yeah, that's sort of what he's doing for Hollywood, isn't it? I
1: know. It's kind of cool, and, but also... Do more Danish
0: movies. Another Round was great. Okay. I want to see like real Mads. Real,
1: real. he's an actor. He's an actor. He is
0: an actor. Yeah, let's let's see him actually act. You should watch Hannibal. Right, I I don't think that's real.
1: No, it's it's (laughs) a it's a a documentary. Oh, thank you, Colleen.
0: Thank you, Wickham.